Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 123 of Selling the Couch. It is so good to uh, be back online, connecting with you guys, sharing conversations sharing stuff that I've learned along the way. As you may or may not know, I like to take a break from the podcast every June and also every uh, from the week of Thanksgiving all the way through December, just so that uh, one, I can practice what I preach in terms of self-care, two, that I can analyze in terms of what we're doing well with the podcast and ways that I can continue to improve, and three, as Selling the Couch kind of grows, I think For me, it hasn't just been about starting a podcast and starting a blog, uh, which I love, but it's been able, it's uh, using this, this platform to do better in the world. So that space really gives me time to think about some of the, the charitable work we're doing and all of those kind of things. But, uh, it's so good to be back. Today's podcast is a topic that I just thought, you know, this is a perfect topic for a return to is we have new episodes and it's all about using mindfulness as private practitioners, right? Not just uh, with our clients, but more how do we use it in the day-to-day grind of being a small business owner or a private practitioner and how something that just sounds so basic, how it can be such a powerful medium to not only do great work with clients and be more focused and serve our clients, but also how it can help us as as business owners. My guest is Kim Ingstrom. Uh, Kim is a local colleague. We had connected. She's actually in Kenneth Square, Pennsylvania, which is an area that is a little bit south of Philadelphia. And Kim and I had connected and Kim was like, you know, I have this passion for mindfulness and I would love to share it with your audience. And I was like, I can sense that you have a passion for mindfulness. Let's definitely uh, share it with the STC community. So today we're going to talk all about what mindfulness means to Kim, her mindfulness routine um, around her, her life and her private practice where, how can we as clinicians fit mindfulness into our routine? So just lots of practical tips, apps, and things like that, that Kim's found helpful. And then we're going to dive really deep into just specific scenarios that we encounter as clinicians, the start of a clinical day, how do we incorporate mindfulness into that? Well, how do we incorporate mindfulness when we've had a cancellation or a no-show? 
And then how do we do it when we've just had a tough clinical day and we know we have to head home and we're trying our best to contain everything we've heard and, and not let take things home with us? Before we do get to today's podcast episode, I just wanted to take a moment to thank the folks over at Brighter Vision for supporting this month's podcast episodes. A few months ago in May, one of the things that I got to do was lead a wonderful roundtable of local private practitioners here in the Philadelphia and Pennsylvania and Jersey area. And I talked a lot about entrepreneurship. And one of the things that we talked about was our private practice websites. And we, I think, came to this conclusion that the private practice website is is now the online business card, right? And Brighter Vision is this company that helps, that works with therapists and makes this process of setting up a private practice website a lot easier. They manage a lot of the technical things around websites. Uh, you can learn more about them and the work that they do at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Brighter Vision. And if you go through that link, you actually get the first month absolutely free. So we'll get right to it. So here is my conversation with Kim Ingstrom. Hi, Kim. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hi, Melvin. It's really exciting to be here. Yeah, I'm uh, excited. Someone, uh, a local colleague, and uh, it's always wonderful, I think, to be able to support and work and hear the work that you know folks locally are doing. Yeah, I really appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity. We're talking about a topic that I think has so much benefit to us as private practitioners, which is this concept of mindfulness and how do we use it in a practical way to deal with the day-to-day -day grind of being an entrepreneur, but also the day-to-day, -day, I think, struggles sometimes of being a private practitioner, whether that's being from the business owner perspective or just from seeing clients and handling sort of the stressors that come with that. Yeah, exactly. One of the things I say as a counselor is who counsels the counselor? Mm -hmm. You know, who can we go to for our support and helping our, our clients? So mindfulness has been effective for me and just allowing me to be really present with my clients and has allowed me to, in being really present with them, to be able to be more effective uh, and be more in touch with my intuition which is how I help my clients through their issues. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I love the way that you're saying that because I think the journey of a private practitioner is very unique in that we have to simultaneously be present for our clients all the while realizing that this is a business for us, right? Like we're not mm -hmm. salaried, right? So I think in terms, I think something like mindfulness is just so useful. I feel like this term of mindfulness is, you know, there's now books and articles and workshops and retreats and all sorts of different things on mindfulness. I feel like sometimes the essence of mindfulness can get a little bit lost because folks do define it in different ways and look at it in different ways. Um, for you, how do you define mindfulness? Yeah, so mindfulness, you're right, it's been all over the place lately. And my first experience with mindfulness really came about with reading and 
uh, practicing awareness or being present. So we've now just given it the umbrella term of mindfulness, and it really should not be confused with meditation. Mm. Although there are similarities, it's not what everyone tends to think, which is control over one's thoughts. And so it's not about controlling our thoughts. It's just actually really about controlling our response to our thoughts and not letting our thoughts affect us, whether in negative or positive ways. So where meditation can be simply stated as putting time aside to do something for yourself. Mindfulness is doing something for yourself, but it's more about learning to really be present by training the mind. I love the way you're distinguishing it because I think one of the things I really like about mindfulness is that it normalizes thoughts as they enter our mind, right? Whether they are positive, negative, or neutral. Exactly. It's just letting the thoughts go by, if you will, like clouds in the sky or cars on the highway. You're you're not analyzing them. You're not analyzing their meaning. You're just observing them and not reacting to them. Yeah, and I, well, I love the way that you made like very subtly distinguish it, which I thought was so beautiful because it's you're not trying to control the thoughts, but it's really the key is what do we all have these thoughts, right? For us, I think as entrepreneurs and private practitioners, they can range, right, from what am I doing? <laughs> Why did I decide to go into private practice? How am I <laughs> going to get my next client? What if my clients cancel? I mean, it's funny we're talking about this yep. because actually right now in the Selling the Couch community, someone had started a thread talking about the fears of what it's like to be a private practitioner. And it's just mm-hmm. amazing like how when I was reading through it, I just kept thinking, man, in many ways, it's liberating to hear that other folks struggle with this because, you know, when we do have those negative thoughts about what it's like to be a business owner, right? It can always feel like "Ah, it's got to be me. I'm the only one that's struggling with this. Yeah, definitely. I think we feel alone, you know, a lot of the time. And what I tell my clients is what's helpful is having empowerment of other people, you know, not feeling isolated and feeling that other people think the way or feel the way you do too. Mm -hmm. But every day I say, say to myself, you know, what the heck am I doing? Am I really helping my clients? And am I really getting paid to give people support and guidance? You know, who am I to be counseling people when I've got my own issues to deal with? Mm -hmm. And so mindfulness just really keeps those thoughts from taking over. You know, they're there and it's not about controlling the thoughts or stopping the mind. That's virtually impossible to do or is impossible to do. It's just about not letting the thoughts get so far out of control that they're keeping us from being, you know, really present and aware of our current situation. Yeah. And I almost like as we're talking, I almost think of it like, the thoughts are not the issue. It's almost like, what do we do in that space when we have those thoughts? Right? Yeah, exactly. It's the meaning that we give to those thoughts mm. that really can be harmful. Yeah. For you, like, what about mindfulness has really resonated for you, like at a, at a personal level? Well, I used to say to myself all the time, I just wish my mind would stop. I just wish I could get it to stop. 
And I was always thinking, 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 and it, it became stressful, you know, to try to stop it all the time. So the more effort I put in to saying stop thinking, <laughs> the more I couldn't stop it. Right. So with mindfulness, I learned that not only is it normal to think all the time, you know, our brains uh, are wired that way, but that putting in effort to stop my thoughts was actually going to have the opposite effect. So like if you tell yourself, don't think about that, <laughs> you actually will think about it more versus allowing the thought uh, to just be. So we're really taught the more effort we put in, the more we'll get out. But that's not the case with mindfulness. It's only when we stop trying to control our thoughts that we're able to actually have more freedom, be freer. Mm. We started talking about this a little bit, but I wanted to go a little bit deeper into this. So I know that all of us are quite familiar with the the stress and the volatility of being small business owners. Where does this concept of mindfulness actually fit into that space? How can we apply it, I guess? Uh, yeah. So one of the things I had said earlier is about how every day mm. <laughs> I wake up, you know, with that, whether it's fear or vulnerability or just concerns about how am I best helping my clients. And I know for me, starting my day out with some sort of mindfulness is really important. And the more I practice mindfulness, the more I've seen that when I don't start my morning out with a mindfulness technique, it really has an effect on my day. Mm, yeah, I mean, I actually do something very similar. It was episode 92, where I shared a lot about my morning routine and putting some and one of the parts of that morning routine is having this really intentional time of where I'm doing some sort of a mindfulness routine. Because I don't know what it's like for you. But like, what I've noticed is my mind can generally shut off when I'm going to sleep. But as soon as I wake up, my mind starts to think, okay, what do I have to get done today? What are the big yeah. things I have to prioritize? Where do I have to be those kind of things? And I felt like what was happening was I was, you know, almost literally getting out of bed and jumping into a routine without, I guess, thoughtfully think like without being thoughtful about it in a way, <laughs> right? And I don't know, this morning, like for me, like, and it sounds like this is something similar for you, it's, it's helped you to slow down. And it's helped you to be more intentional with how you're approaching your day. Yeah, it's definitely helped me to be more intentional. But it's also just training the mind mm -hmm. is, I was thinking about this, that it's a bit hard to explain what that really looks like and really feels like and sounds like, mm -hmm. because the benefits don't necessarily come from doing the mindfulness exercise itself. The benefits show up later mm. and that you just seem to notice that your mind isn't racing the way it used to. Your mind isn't knee-jerk reacting the way it used to. It's just in a much calmer place throughout the day. So if you start your day from a calm place, that tends to set the tone uh, for the rest of your day is really where I find the morning routine being helpful. But it's just the practice of mindfulness where whenever you do it and however you do it that gives you the overall effects over time. You just seem to notice. And I haven't been doing an active mindfulness practice for very long. Mm. I'd say probably only a, where I'm really practicing a mindfulness exercise, probably only a few months. Mm. 
And I just, you know, just have seen profound differences in how I'm listening, how I'm being present, how my mind doesn't wander the way it used to. And it's not because I'm doing it consciously. It's because it's it's happening naturally from doing the mindfulness exercises. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's fascinating, right? Like it by you've actually in some ways almost retrained or rewired your mind to. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. So when you first got started with this routine, did you like, how did you figure out what you were going to do and, and how to do it? And it was just like, did you find a website or did you read about it? Like, what did you do? Well, I have to give a, a lot of credit to an app. Well, I, I took actually, I took a little training mm. on it was using mindfulness based cognitive therapy. Mm. And that's I tend to use elements of cognitive therapy in my practice. So I thought this was um, the course that I took, and it was just a four-hour workshop about how to use mindfulness with depression. Mm. And since I treat, say, my specialty is depression and anxiety, I wanted to learn more about how to incorporate it into the practice. And as a result of that, you know, started doing more of it myself. And in that training, they recommended an app called Headspace, mm. which has been just for me, it has three or four different little animation videos that explained mindfulness to me in a way that made so much sense and was so easy to understand. And it really was about this, like you said, retraining the mind. And it happened much quicker than I ever anticipated it happening versus my meditation practice or even you know yoga practice or breathing exercises. It really just had a profound effect on me versus, you know, other types of awareness work that I had done. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Headspace. Whoever that person is that like narrates that has seriously the most soothing voice. Yeah, yeah, Andy. Andy, that's right. <laughs> well, I remember with that. So I don't use Headspace as much now, but I when I was using it, actually, now you remind me, I should probably go back to Headspace. But I remember they had like I started with, was it like a 10-day challenge that you can do for free? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I remember like, I don't know, like I loved the logging in on the app and just making sure that I had meditated that day and like the gamification aspect of it. It was a lot of fun. So I'll uh, definitely have to download it and get my and get yep. some work done on it. That's cool that it's uh, resonated for you and it's been helpful for you. And that's really all I've used. Mm. If something clicked, you know, I, I've been doing awareness work for a long time. Mm started back with a book by Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. Mm. I don't know if you've read that, but that's when I first really started paying attention to the concept of awareness mm. and how being present, you know, just totally changed my work with my clients. Not that I wasn't present with them, but my intuition just got much, much sharper. So if I went into a session with a client and I was maybe at a loss, you know, what were we going to accomplish this session? Or, you know, what did I, how was I going to be able to help the client in session today? I would just really sit in present, presentness with them and be able to hear my intuition without my head, you know, getting in the way, yeah. uh, without my head trying to assess what I should do. And most often, you know, most of the time, my intuition would get really clear as to where what direction I should go. And that's allowed me to be much more effective, sometimes almost too effective. Mm. I have to sometimes say, wait a minute, the client's probably not ready for this yet. Mm. <laughs> you know, you need to give them a little space. But when my mind doesn't get in the way, 
I really, you know, find my work to be not only more intentional, but just more effective. Yeah, I just, I think you call it intuition. I think intuition is a wonderful term. Like, I almost think of it as like, when, not that the mind's not important, but when we give when we acknowledge the mind, but we don't let it consume, like all when we acknowledge our thoughts, but we don't let it consume us, it gives us space for like our heart to show up. Exactly, exactly. You know, just for our last sort of question, I actually wanted to make this super practical, which is, I wanted to talk about three different scenarios that the average private practitioner, I would imagine 100% of private practitioners probably deal with. And I wanted to present these scenarios one at a time, and then just talk real briefly about how we might be able to use mindfulness in a situation like this. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. So the first scenario that I had is the start of a clinical day, right? So perhaps you walk in a little bit early before that very first client into your office, or maybe you're an online counselor and you're, you know, you've got a little bit of time before you see that first client. And how a situation like that, right, where the mind and maybe what you have is one client, maybe you have multiple clients that day, right? Whatever that is, the mind is usually kind of focused and thinking about what am I going to do with that client? What about that second one, what third one, that kind of situation, right? How, right. how can mindfulness be helpful in a situation like that? One thing is uh, what we talked about earlier was how you start your morning and how you start your day. So even before you walk into your practice, you know, how you left the your home or how you am or, you know, getting out and beginning your day. So with the mindfulness exercise, you've sort of already entered into your space with a clear mind. And then another thing that I do is really only focus on one client at a time. You kind of review your schedule to see who you are meeting with today. But I allow myself the space to have time before each client and time in between each client to really get myself to a space of being present. I know I keep saying that, but it's really looking at one client at a time, one appointment at a time, one task at a time. There's a lot of information lately about multitasking and how the brain really is not able to handle or process more than one task at a time. Mm. So when we allow ourselves, when we give ourselves permission to say, oh, it's okay, I don't have to multitask, I get to just focus on this one thing right now. It just really gives you so much more freedom and energy to be available. Yeah, it's just uh, focusing on things moment by moment instead of almost yeah. client or hour by hour. Yeah. And one thing I remember, uh, one of your podcasts was about a book you'd read called The One Thing. Yeah, I was actually going to reference that in the outro. <laughs> Amazing book. Like, I'm a reader, as you guys probably know. And but that book I've read three times since I first read yeah. it. So your one thing, it can be mindfulness, mm. or is your one thing, even focusing on one thing that would be most effective for you, is a form of mindfulness, focusing on one thing at a time. Mm. The second scenario that I wanted to present is a bit more emotional, I know, for us, which is when we have a client that either cancels or no-shows to an appointment, right? And yeah. usually in a situation, I mean, just personal experience and getting to hear from you guys, I know that the struggle often is we have this cancellation or no show, usually it triggers some kind of money fear, money shame, 
right? Yeah. Then I think there's, you know, like concern for the client that it, that stuff kind of comes up. And I guess in a situation like that, where you have a cancellation or no show, how can something like this be applicable? So I thought about this a bit and thinking that client in building my practice and that, you know, what do I do when a client cancels? And I personally think this just has to be built into your schedule. If you allow for or expect or understand that things are going to come up and you have it built into your schedule, you're not going to have, you know, that knee jerk reaction or that shaming, as you said, about, oh, my gosh, you know, how am I going to make up this money or what am I going to do to fill this time? So if you build it into the schedule, allowing for that, it can take away some of the anxiety because clients cancel all the time and for many different reasons. And we tend to make it about ourselves, you know, oh, maybe I wasn't effective or maybe I didn't help them in the way I should have, mm-hmm. when most of the time it's not about us at all. So not personalizing it. And regardless of the reason, you use those times to do something, something else. And maybe that's a perfect time to do a mindfulness exercise or reading your latest copy of psychology today or a counseling magazine or or your favorite trade magazine or listening to a book or selling the couch podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the plug. (laughs) No, 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 the thing I guess, and you said that so well, like there was some like good stuff in there. So one I think is seeing so that the initial thought for many of us is, oh my gosh, I must be doing terrible work. But another way of looking at it is, you know what, this space has opened up and I'm a small business owner and I now get to decide what I want to do with this space, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah, exactly. Because remember, mindfulness is simply being present. mm -hmm. So now you've just gotten the opportunity to be present and use that time, you know, for whatever it is you like to use that time for. And it's almost unscheduled time, you know, time that you didn't have planned. You were planning to be with the client and now you have this whole hour just opened up. I'm really fortunate because my office is located in a tiny little quaint town. Hmm. So when this happens, I'm sort of like, yay, I, I get to go take a walk, you know, or get outside and enjoy my little town and usually connect, you know, run, end up connecting or running into somebody when I take that walk. Yeah, that's awesome. There was something else I was going to say and I completely slipped my mind, but talk about not being mindful. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I yeah, I think what I was just gonna say was like, just a such a good way, I think of reframing it, you know, because if we do interpret it, or if we do acknowledge that thought of overwhelm, and then not let it then cycle us or kind of spin us off into all of these sort of ways of thinking, but instead just seeing as an opportunity, I think we can just do so much more stuff, right? Like whether that's a focus on self-care or doing something to build out our business or -hmm. connecting with colleagues, whatever it is, right? Like we can then refocus that energy. Yeah, exactly. And I think it'd be important to almost even give yourself permission to do that. Say, I've had a cancellation. I'm going to do something good for myself instead of, oh, you know, let me check my email or let me, you know, do something frantic or sit here and obsess over why this this client canceled. Just automatically say to yourself, if I have a cancellation, I'm going to use this time to do something good for myself. Mm. The third scenario and the last one is this happens to all of us, which is the 
depth by which we talk to folks and the stories we hear, right, they inevitably lead to just tough clinical days where either just on the verge of tears or just exhausted, all of those things. But at the end of the clinical day, we have to return home, right? So how can mm-hmm. a situation like, how can mindfulness be helpful in a situation like that? Well, it's a tough one. If, if somebody has the answer to this, let me know. But I thought about how, depending on your personality, you know, we're by nature helping professionals. So it's in our nature, you know, to take on other people's stress and anxiety and, and issues. I mean, that's part of why we do the work that we do. So it's part of ourselves that we're bringing home, you know, our concerns for our clients. And we can't automatically just shut it off, like turning your computer off, you know, at the end of the day and heading home to be with your family or your pets or, you know, whatever you do when you shut down your clinical day. But the old putting your oxygen masks on first, you know, definitely applies here that though, where if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of not only your clients, but the people in your life that mean a lot to you. So we've got to shut down in order to get that well-needed respite that the brain needs. And again, mindfulness is about allowing the mind to shut down and giving it the freedom to do that. And it's necessary in order to keep you from burning out, really. So a few suggestions I've found that work. I have a half-hour ride home. So I try to, instead of thinking about my day, I listen to really fun music and sing really loud in the car. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. (laughs) So, and because that's how I've, you know, I've ended my day and I've taken my clinical notes and I've thought about, you know, how my health session went with my clients. And so now that I'm done, you know, for the day until I return to practice again, so that that music and singing really helps, or I'll make a fun stop on the way home, you know, like a bookstore or a shop that I've been wanting to visit, or even I love ice cream and there's an ice cream shop on my way home. So something that just really takes me out of my day Mm. and gets me again, present and ready to take on the, the next part of my day or evening. That's awesome. Kim, I'm grateful that we've been able to connect being local. We were talking a little bit about Kenneth Square, which is the area that you're in. And, you know, I've gone there a couple of times and I, I love that little the square. And when you were talking about it, I was like, I wonder if uh, I think I remember what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah, we're really fortunate there uh, and take for granted being really close to Longwood Gardens, mm. which people come from all over the world to visit. Mm. So it's, it's a really fun little town to be part of. Yeah, it's really neat. Uh, Long on Gardens is definitely highly recommended. And they're not paying me to say this, but uh, Kim, what are some of the best ways that folks can get in touch with you? Most direct for me is my email address, services at gmail.com. I do have a website, kimangstrom.com. That's a little bit of a work in progress right now, but also a good place to visit for resources. Awesome. Kim, thank you so much for doing this. Have a great rest of your day, okay? Thanks, Melvin. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kim, and I hope that it's given you some good ideas and some new ideas in terms of how to use mindfulness as a private practitioner. Uh, Kim mentioned a number of resources, and you can find that at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number one two. 
three. That's kind of fun. One, two, three. <laughs> you know, I, I was reflecting on what Kim said, and I don't know, like, I think one thing I've realized is both as a private practitioner and as I've built out STC is just how many different things we could be doing in any one moment as business owners, right? Literally, I imagine that if you're listening, there's probably, realistically, that I would say there's probably between 10 and 20 things you could be doing, right? So writing a blog post, being on social media, doing case notes, also making phone calls, all sorts of different things, right? And I felt like this episode was just so good because it was a reminder for me that as we become small business owners, a big part of it is the opportunity for freedom and the opportunity to really enjoy what we're doing, right? I struggle with this a lot, which is I often look at the destination, right? What do I want my private practice to look like? What do I want STC to look like? What do I want healthcasters to look like? All of these different things. But many times I forget that the growth that's happening in the middle, that's really what it's about. Like that's the thing that we should most cherish because if we focus on that end product, right? That is almost like the carrot at the, you know, the end of the stick kind of idea. And I feel like mindfulness is something that can help us to appreciate those moment by moment situations. As we wrap up, uh, again, I just wanted to take a moment to thank Perry and the team over at Brighter Vision for supporting today's podcast episodes. Uh, you can learn more about them at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Brighter Vision. They just have an outstanding reputation in our field. And if uh, you're thinking about creating a private practice website and just need some support with that, I encourage you to check them out. Uh, again, the link is sellingthecouch.com forward slash brighter vision. And that gives you the first month absolutely free. And just one final thing as we start to wrap up, uh, my big project right now is the Selling the Couch directory. This is a directory that I sincerely hope will make it easier for us to be able to connect and collaborate with other helpers and healers, both locally and around the world, who really share our interests and passions. I'm in the early stages of this working using a lot of my time just to make this just a wonderful resource. And one of the other things I'm creating along with the directory that comes, that's also included, is this may not be the name of it, but it's going to be called our basically a learning library. Uh, this is just a combination of just videos and strategies and all sorts of things in terms of what it's like to be on the private practitioner journey and guiding each one of us through the journey of private practice, uh, thinking about private practice, taking the leap, growing a practice, and then starting to scale your business so that you're creating other income streams. Um, you can learn more about this work at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. Have a great rest of your day and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.
So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.